0: Just a reminder that the Missing Witches podcast is entirely listener-funded. If you love the project and want to support us and join in on conversations like this one live, find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash missingwitches.
1: You aren't being a proper woman, therefore you must be a witch.
0: You must be a witch. Hello and welcome to all our members of the Missing Witches Coven. Today, I am so thrilled to be joined by Jessica Ritchie, who is the founder of Dear Women. And we're going to talk about that and so many other things. I want to tell you all who are listening right now that I met Jessica, met, you know, in the Instagram world, met. We started communicating because uh, Jessica donated a prize for our fundraiser. And for those of you who are listening throughout the month of May, we raised over $5,000, which was returned to our local Indigenous communities. And we have people like all of you who made a contribution and Jessica who donated a prize. So thank you so much for being a part of this coven at large and helping us to do something. Welcome Jessica.
2: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me. And um, yeah, thanks for letting me be a part of that. It was close to my heart as well because of um, I'm Apache and Blackfoot Indian. So it's something that spoke very uh, directly to me. And I was so happy to see, you know, our community um, actively participating in this and and being uh, of service and, and just you know keeping it alive and helping so it's it's all in the same um in the same thread of magic and nature and ancestry so I was really happy to do anything I could.
0: Uh, You gave yourself a little bit of an introduction but for our listeners who don't know who you are aren't familiar with your work can you tell them about yourself?
2: Yes of course. Um, So I'm Jessica Christine Richie Magdaleno. I am the creator of Dear Women which is a brand that I created also in Belgium long long ago Um, but it's recently in a couple of uh, years ago we've been doing a lot more projects so basically it's a brand that is situated around tea uh, but it's tea and travel. So I take Um, you know uh, the nature from different cultures and every culture has a different tea or herb that they use so I basically I take those things and the medicinal properties of each herb and I imbue these into teas into rituals and spread information about this as well as beauty products Um, when I lived in the Middle East I picked up Akar Fossi, which is Uh, a terracotta pot that is uh, for your cheeks and your lips and it's made of poppy and pomegranate and a lot of people in the west don't know about this so I bring it back Um, and I think you know being geared towards nature and uh, the esoteric is really what our brand stands for but not having to be Um, like you can still be very feminine in these things because I think it's a very male dominated world occultism. And so I'm trying to bring the knowledge within, you know, medicinal herbs and travel and all these things together within dear woman. So it's a very um, it's, it's my child, it's my other child. (laughs) So it's a very large uh, world that I created, but um, we do things with oddities and we do tea ceremonies and, We've had a lot of uh, collaborations with some wonderful people. So I'm very, very blessed.
0: I know that you, ooh, uh, you just mentioned that you lived in the Middle East. You're living in Belgium now. I know you speak three languages at least. Can you sort of talk about this like global nature that your soul seems to like have and crave?
2: Um. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think a lot of people have it. uh wanderlust I think is the word they have this obsession with um I I wouldn't say escapism but just uh, for me I think it's a good healthy way to get out of our you know the world is in such a bad state um so I think it's a way to get out of our current mentality and have some change and really learn about other cultures and how they do things and maybe we can apply that to our own and do it better um or you know not better than them but better for ourselves there's so many things um that other cultures as in terms of medicine and in terms of politics and healthcare and everything around different cultures uh we should be open to and not closed minded or closed off. So I, I put myself in these situations. Um, I did it from a very young age uh you know, so that I could it kind of not I didn't really trust what people were saying about the Middle East, for example. Um, at the time of the Twin Towers, I went to the Middle East and I was, of course, given a big backlash, but I still went. Um, I went to Egypt. I, I spent years in Doha, Qatar. Um, and these things I'm really grateful for because they really brought, uh, yeah, a tea culture to me. And it brought um, the the Bedouin tribes and their their customs and Egyptians and you know the, the, the humor and of course it's a third world country but they're so uh, rich in their culture and their their positivity and, and these things I think can be really applied to the situation now because uh, <laughs> I think a lot of people are still very ignorant in the world um, especially in America so I, I don't like to spend a lot of time there um, I don't know, maybe that sounds negative, but for me, I think there's a lot of people there who who need to travel.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's definitely something about, um, as we have this continuing conversation about appropriation and transculturalism and pan-culturalism and globalization and we sort of feel always like we're towing this line, but I think your approach to actually go to places and learn about places and even learn the language that people are speaking there is. Sadly. <laughs>
2: Sadly. but <laughs> I, mean, I mean, not the best right now. I I, I hold that uh, you know people in Belgium they speak like some of them speak seven languages, but it's it's common three between three and seven is the average, and I'm. I'm over here speaking very broken <laughs> language, so please, yeah, it's, it's, it's getting there
0: now. But that's definitely, I mean, speaks to what you were talking about, this sort of North American mentality that, like, to speak more than one language is, like, wow, and in the rest of the world, it's normal to speak three, four languages yeah. or yeah. more. I mean-
2: that has a lot to do with geography because Belgium is situated uh, in the center of France. Uh, I think, like Luxembourg, you have Germany, you have, you know, all these little countries, Holland. Um, you have a bunch of countries around it, so they grow up with this, uh, this, um, you know, reward. I, I don't know how to put it, uh, but they grow up with this—not a reward, but this um, benefit. Yeah, this benefit. Uh, unfortunately, you know, Americans don't have that. We have accents um but we don't we all speak english so it's it's not the fault of americans but i think they could do some more in the educational system especially because there's so many hispanic people living there or you know asian communities and it's important language i mean it it it's a different mentality completely when you start speaking another language the words the etymology of it it means something completely different to other cultures and you understand each other better Yes. Understand what their definition is for a certain meaning or
0: word for so sure
2: I love about it
0: yeah I I live in Quebec and there's a constant language battle happening here Montreal is sort of like an Anglo enclave and then the rest of the province is more francophone and so the government leaders are making all of these like very very harsh laws And in the same way that you find in the United States where people make a hard line, like, I'm never going to learn Spanish, a lot of people on both sides feel that way in Quebec, Uh, you know, I'm never going to learn English, I'm never going to learn French, I'm going to dig my heels in and have this be like my identity politic. Mm -hmm. And like you were saying, language is important. It's like part of culture and how we how we maintain culture. But at the same time, for me, you know, my French isn't great, it's good enough. As I say, you know, I can get what I need done. But for me, it was like, why wouldn't I want to learn another language? Because like you say, it really is like a different way of working your brain. My favorite example is like, in French you say, I have fear, j'ai peur, j'ai faim, I have hunger. But in English you're like, I am afraid. I am hungry and it's like your whole identity is this and in French it's like I have this I have that it's not who I am it's just like what's what's happening right now and I imagine in every language that you learn you find these different modes of being even
2: yeah no that's so true what you say I think um that's really important to realize is that in language um you know especially like Germanic languages it's uh in, in, in Dutch and Netherlands, it's the same. It's ik heb hunger. So I have hunger, I have hunger. you are not, you know, you are not, you're not your hunger, you are not, it's fleeting. These are emotions and physical responses, you know, physical stimuli, of course, but these are fleeting things. And if you constantly tell yourself, you are something, I am angry, you know, it's it's so that's I think that's where the magic of spell work comes in in, in words because you have these, uh, these, these rituals where you have to say certain words and some of them like um, you know in, in occultism and some of these rituals, you're saying these words that are old, old languages, Latin, and they, they don't maybe uh, sound correct when you say them, but you maybe don't know, you don't know what you're saying necessarily. but the words carry history because they've been used for so many generations and they themselves are like their own little world I don't know if that makes sense but every time uh a language dies my, I think it's it's so heartbreaking because this is like history dying and there's so many uh there's such a such so many things people don't understand they take for granted a little bit when they talk so sometimes I think it's better to um uh yeah, I think that's why it's so difficult for me is because I'm such a perfectionist. I want my pronunciation. I really want to respect the language, you know, but yeah, it will
0: come. <laughs> so speaking of vocabulary, um what what are your thoughts on the word witch?
2: I love it. Um I think it's beautiful. I like the word hex actually. That's my favorite. Um, that's what a witch is here. Uh Hex. Um I think it's beautiful. I think uh, it's it's a very positive thing, whether it's depicted as the old crone in you know films, or it's um, it's a wonderful love witch creating you know potions and aphrodisiacs. It's a very powerful word, and I think that it's a uh, yeah, it's a broad, broad definition.
0: <laughs> so, how do you internalize it? Like, what does it mean for you and your practice and your identity?
2: Well, for dear woman, and for for our brand, and for myself, um, it's all the same. It's it's really about uh, the history and occultism, and the meaning is the hidden knowledge. Occultism is occult is a hidden knowledge. So um, this is for me. It's it's related closely, and when I say history, I mean things that even recently. Have been pushed down. So, for instance, I got I had a, a Red Witch line, which was inspired by Marjorie Cameron and Jack Parsons. And Marjorie Cameron was this beautiful witch. You know, she was a poet. She was a, an artist. She was an amazing, amazing woman until her death. And she had this fiery relationship with Jack Parsons. And I fell in love with this story. I became obsessed with them. And um, Jack Parsons was actually the founder of. Uh, um, JPL, um, Jet Propulsion Lab, which is Jack Parsons' labs actually, and a lot of people, and they don't know this. And Jack Parsons was an occultist. He studied with Alistair Crowley. He had a like he was a magician. And this is the fascinating thing about history: is that um, when you look, you turn on your TV and you you study NASA's you know trajectory into space and all of these things, and you think you're so scientific. And you don't put the two together. That's a little bit of an, uh, it's not, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's an ignorance, but it's, it's um, because this is the way the world works. They push down what they want. They push down things. And if you don't study um, things and you don't really look for yourself or trust the esoteric, the hidden knowledge, if you don't seek it out, it will not find you unless you seek it out. So that's my uh, practice is really, finding things based on my travels and my intuition guides me when I'm traveling and I always have, you know, my rituals, my, my common things are my tea, um, and my books. And I just try to, if I'm looking for something, I try to follow my intuition. So I wish it was less solitary, but I'm a very solitary practitioner. So, um, but I, I do have, connections with organizations that are really, oh my God, I've been so blessed with uh, the Philosophical Research Society in Los Angeles with my mentors like Maja Diaust I studied under other witch, witches and people who study these things um, and uh, plant knowledge. So it's all, it's, it's, it's a lifestyle for me. You know, it's, it's part of who I am.
0: Yes. And you correct me if I'm wrong, but you are a STEM witch.
2: <laughs> what do you mean do you mean science technology engineering mathematics <laughs> yeah how did you know this that's funny
0: because i do my research isn't that okay. exactly what we're talking
2: about <laughs> I'm, I'm so happy that
0: you know this. well because it's ex- you know it's exactly like you said like people hear you use the word esoteric or tea ritual mm. and And they maybe even speaking to you, Jessica, maybe they hear that you have a beauty line Mm. or any of those of us who, you know, and they think that we are gullible or Mm. that we are dumb or that we don't know how to do research, which is to me the opposite of what a witch really is. It's exactly like you say, you have to go and dig and dig and dig and do your research and not be gullible not be gullible but talking about like that capitalist patriarchal voice not be gullible to that that would have us close our minds so please tell me about like how stem and witchcraft are one (laughs)
2: um that's a lot uh well i'll try to condense it um there's well you have so stem is science technology engineering mathematics and i've Previously, I taught um, I, I taught just simple stuff like Minecraft, teaching Minecraft or um, robotics or things like this. Uh, like I said before, I have this huge obsession with Jack Parsons and Marjorie Cameron. So for me, uh, it's it's into one because you have these very intelligent people in this community, and there are women who are extremely bright and brilliant. And in order to know, plant knowledge, or, you know, um, herbalism, you have to be aware of what you're working with. Flying bombs are not easy things. This is all alchemy and science and mathematics go into this with your proportions. You have too much belladonna, you know, (laughs) this is, I mean, you could say this is like, um, that's a little bit of a small example of, you know, how you have to be, uh, you, you cannot be somebody who it's it's something you have to be aware of, and I think the thing with witches or people into the occult, or they're very aware. They're more aware than other people, and whether that's intuition or developed intuition, as you get further deep into your craft, you become aware that it's all connected. Whether it's um, you know particles or robotics, uh, magic of electricity. I mean, it's all connected, and especially because I'm a mother, so I have a five-year-old child, and I have to teach her. She asks me so many questions at such a young age, and already her eyes are so wide open, and un—they are not—they're so so brilliant. Her mind, because she's not influenced yet. By outside forces. So she asks very common questions without any influence of people or the world as it'll get to her. And basically, it's very scientific things, you know, how is this made? How how what is plastic made out of? And these are things that I think in witchcraft we we always are asking ourselves, well, you know, what is electricity? um how how do you apply this to your brain your brain is just electric currents when you have a thought it's an electric current and then it goes so we're basically like you know flesh machines and when you do rituals and magics you're you're just creating neural pathways so long answer not the best but you know i i hope it makes sense that magic and ritual it's a repetitive thing it's going to change your neural pathways it is all with science technology mathematics when you're cooking when you're measuring something you have um, technology when you're we have you know witchcraft on our cell phones now so it's really it's in everything and I think you have to be you have to be aware if you are studying this and you're uh, you want to call yourself a witch I mean you can you can anyone can be that but you have a skill and I think to find that skill it takes a lot of brilliance um to to really hone it in because yeah it's such a wide thing and I love I love the way that the world works once you are aware of these things it's all connected you know does that make sense sorry
0: Yes, everything that you're saying is making perfect sense to me. And listeners, you know me, if you can't hear me, I'm probably full body nodding with my microphone <laughs> <laughs> muted as I am right now talking to Jessica. Um, we have a sort of like catchphrase catch that we got from uh, White Feather Hunter, um, who is a witch at a lab, you know, PhD. Mm. And she told us uh, ritual is methodology. Mm -hmm. hypotheses are prophecies oh I love that yeah and to me that just took the whole wind out of this like you know science versus magic argument like it really is exactly what we're doing yes
2: yeah I I, I can't I keep going back to Jack Parsons (laughs) I told you I was obsessed but it's exactly that's exactly how he thought you know that's why he was a scientist that's why he was Uh, because he was a huge occultist really knowledgeable and the way his brain worked it was yeah science and mathematics and that's uh that's maybe it's a scary way of thinking of things but it's really true and I think people in that field know maybe they're afraid to admit it I think because you know you get you get a lot of uh, people who say that magic and science are different. And I don't believe that.
0: No, I don't believe it either. And that's why we love a STEM witch. We love a STEM witch for <laughs> yeah, we need
2: more. I love that. I love that you knew that too. I'm so happy. There. And and we need more. I mean, when I worked in STEM, when I was teaching, I was the only female in um, with four guys. And it was a cruel, cruel world. I mean, that was very difficult um and you know you just you kind of let them spin their own wheels and, and do their thing they're brilliant minds but brilliant minds are very cunning as well and especially when it's a male-driven field so I think a lot of protection spells a lot of uh, a lot of protective elements came into factor there and that's where I think I learned most of my <laughs> I think I carried around a hagstone like heavy hagstone not only for protection you know but for for a weapon <laughs>
0: Right, all different kinds of protection.
2: Yeah, yeah. When you're working in the male-driven, dominated, um, living in Southern California, it becomes very intertwined. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, a friend of ours is a judge, and she would like place like crystals and sigils on her bench for for exactly that same reason. I mean, she was in more of a position of power mm-hmm. than you were as like the only woman in a in a lab or in an engineering, yeah. you know, in the STEM situation so yeah I mean would that be your advice to marginalized people who are finding themselves in unmarginalized places carry a mm-hmm. hagstone walk softly and carry a big stone <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> um I, I I was much younger than I think I was uh, 26 or something but no I I my late 30s now so I had I think my advice and a very male dominated field would just be to be as knowledgeable as possible. Know your stuff, um, know your stuff, let them, like I said, let them spin their own wheels and, uh, just focus on your own path and just know your stuff and what you, um, can also do. Yeah. As wards and protection sigils and those things, um, but there's herbs too. um, what is it? it's we have one called a tea called a culta that has herbs in it that have protective and confidence uh properties so when you take a, uh, when you take a tea in the morning and you do your morning ritual you can go in feeling the effects of the herbs they get into your your body you know and they affect you and your state of mind so just like people smoke marijuana Um, I choose not to, but people do that and it changes their mind. Tobacco is a mood. It's a transition. In in Native American culture, they use tobacco to transition between states. So uh, these things, these herbs, I would recommend to to really change your mind uh, sets to deal with people in a male-driven world.
0: (laughs) And what, I mean, you have such an interesting perspective um, because of your background that you were born with and then your choice to be like a global citizen so like having seen the world from sort of multiple individual perspective uh, what would be like your your message to the witches who are who are listening today like what do you really the microphone is yours what do you want to tell the world slash this coven of people who are listening right now oh, my message wow um well
2: first i I don't think that I, I don't think I'm any different. Um, I travel a lot, but I'm not. I mean, there's people who travel way more than I do, and I, I don't think that I have a different view on life than than most people. I think that it's just a matter of finding your own path and your own journey, and using the tools in occultism, and in if if this is what you're called to, um, you know, you can be a hedge witch, you can be an occultist, you can be Whatever you want to be, but I think finding your own path is key. And that's what um do what thou wilt is, is, you know, is really important, but people take it wrong. It doesn't mean go kill people, it means to find your will, your way. And we were talking about language earlier, and in Flemish, it's ik will in Botorham and also I want a sandwich, please, you know. It's, uh, I I always thought this was important because it will, I will it to be, I will something, you know, and and basically uh, do what thou wilt is is will, wilt, it all connects. So I think when when you start seeing things, whether you have to go and use the tools of ayahuasca or hape or, you know, find something that calls you and listen to it, don't be afraid. Even if you're afraid, just go with it and that will guide you to your path. And these herbs and these um, different communities that we've all formed, that you guys have formed, really guide and help and spread the knowledge and different perspectives, which is really important. So I think my message to people would just be that, just figure it out um, and enjoy the journey. (laughs)
0: Just figure it out, but enjoy the journey.
2: (laughs) I should rephrase that. I should say, you know, don't just figure it out, but enjoy the journey of finding your path. Yeah. And really looking to nature, because that's going to, it's not just nature is divine and it's also very dangerous. And we are animals and we are very connected to nature in the long run, even if you live in a big city, it is, is extremely important to go find the patterns of nature and apply that to your life on a daily basis. And I think that people right now need that a lot.
0: So, Can you give us an example of a pattern in nature that we can apply to our human lives?
2: Um, yeah, sure. I think, um, <laughs> well, my daughter would <laughs> answer this question so well. <laughs> She's obsessed with snails right now and they are everywhere in our little city garden um and so every morning she's like going to school and she's just searching for snails and the thing with snails is that they're very they're very slimy and you have to wash your hands after because slime gets everywhere when you handle them and you, you, you you know you have they're kind of poisonous too you can get you know, sick from them. So the thing with nature is that it's this beautiful thing that I think it's really nice and fun to, uh, hold and take care of, but there's always this underlying protection. There's always a poison there. You know, the ladybugs are beautiful, but there's the bad ones as well. Or you have the snails that have that small poison or, you know, the not so obvious things. Um, there's plants that curl up when you touch them. There's, there's these things in nature that have protection around them, and I think that's really important. I mean, that's just something I can think of off the top of my head, but it's really important to be uh, sit in nature and just observe how they protect themselves. And the patterns um, that you see in basic psychology of humans is the same exact patterns you'll see in animals, unfortunately, <laughs> a lot of the time. So there's um, there's a lot we can learn from that, and we're still discovering because yeah, there's oceans and oceans, um, miles and miles of ocean that we don't even know about or have ever been to. So
0: Yes, and that that's one of nature's biggest lessons for me. I remember walking through my yard and I almost stepped on a toad. It was mm. so completely camouflaged in its environment that I didn't see it at all. And I had this thought, like, just because I don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. And so, again, I'm like applying this to esoteric knowledge, to witchcraft, to the occult, to this idea that to be a witch is somehow to not be science minded, which, again, to me is the opposite of what's true. But just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's not there.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. lots of occultism hidden knowledge and things that uh, you have to look for under the surface of everything that's a beautiful <laughs> a beautiful lesson I... it wasn't a, a brightly colored frog
0: <laughs> no oh no it was like it looked exactly like the bit of ground that it was on it was like brown and spotted and I really if I weren't a witch I probably wouldn't have noticed it at all but
2: <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> the awareness, right? Like we're trying to be aware even of the things that we cannot see.
2: Yeah. Uh, I think it's very, I mean, you can apply that. I like, I like, uh, I guess not in the term of like the craft or something, but I really like glamour magic and and using your appearance as well. That's part of um, being a a female that I love is that, you know, it's not vanity for me, but I think it's more of like a protection or, or something that a creation of my own character and, the Deer Woman is a mythology actually from Native Americans. Um, it's a Native American legend about a woman who, you know, has deer hooves and she has these these antlers that come out and she's gorgeous and she tramples her lovers. Um, but it's really about, I think a lot of people don't realize this, but it's really about the antlers are antennas to nature, to the sky. They help connect to the ethereal worlds. They're, um, it's something so, remarkable in that story, and that myth that I found, you know, and that's also very hidden, the power in natural substances, antler, bone, it's, it's a, it's, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. So, sorry, I I go off on it. No,
0: (laughs) our our motto around here is please expand. We want to hear your idea until they run off the tracks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you do, you do, um, you talk about um, makeup, and you have a line of like, makeup and, and self care. Can you talk a little bit more about the notion of makeup being like a protection spell?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, th- I call it glamour magic. It's my version of glamour magic. And it's really, um, that's why, you know, when I went to the Middle East, Uh what happened was I was very, very young and I came out of California. I'd only lived there for five years, but I was very confused when I went when I lived in California. Um it was girls in like I think they're called hot pants or booty shorts, and you know, fake breasts and fake lips, and everything was really in your face, um, beauty-wise. It was just nothing hidden. (laughs) It's the exact opposite of the occult. It was like everything was there. And that's beautiful in its own right. Like I respect anyone who wants to change their appearance. That's a magic in its own, but it wasn't my type of magic. So when I went to the middle East, I was, um, I was young, you know, and I was a bit scared. And I remember being in an elevator, uh, in a mall in Dubai, I think. And, um, I had, these women in full burqas, black ghosts, you know? And I remember that being so shocking and my heart started racing because they were taking up so much space. It was two women, but they were like, And then the smell. And I remember thinking it was so beautiful. And then they were talking and their hand gestures. And suddenly that fear turned into almost like falling in love with these ghosts, you know, like figures and their nails were perfectly manicured and the smell of oud, it was this really ancient Middle Eastern smell that's never left my memory. So the beauty and the glamour that they were in, like, evoking, being fully covered, something clicked in my head, you know, I was like, that is the type of woman I want to be. And that is power right there. You're not showing anything. You're not I don't even know what you look like, but I am in love with you. (laughs) You know, like the way they talked and used their words and their hand gestures. And it was just remarkable. And it was a different type of beauty I'd never experienced. And then of course, when you go into the private homes and they take off their veils and it's like, you know, it's this dance and, and it's so sacred and it's so ritualistic and beautiful. I really learned about beauty through Middle Eastern women, through Qataris, through um, you know Middle Eastern women who, yeah, this the the way that they put importance on smell, on um, fragrance, and and you know small details really matter to them. Threading the eyebrows, um, little things like this that are very ritualistic, um, and they they make a whole beautiful ritual out of it you go get your eyebrows threaded in the middle east and you're there for like three hours
0: with all these women talking about
2: their husbands you know it's one of the best things ever I mean I really miss it
0: <laughs> it's so funny that you bring up threading because I remember I used to going when I lived in the city nobody in the woods does it unfortunately <laughs> but when I lived in the city I went to a threading place uh, mm-hmm. to get my eyebrows threaded you know uh, once a month or however often I was doing it. And it was the most intersectional space in all of the. this. So you go to bars, you go to clubs, you go here and you go there. But in this space, it was like every economic level, every shade of skin tone, every like, you know, demonstrable <laughs> identity was yeah. in this place you know waiting to get this treatment and I remember thinking like this is the most intersectional place in all of Montreal surely
2: <laughs> I bet, yeah I, I wonder was it was it run by Indians or who was it, who was the owner the Indians yeah, yeah.
0: yes yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I miss it. I'm not so great at it, so I, I miss those. And it really is. It's so intimate. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, I haven't had my eyebrows threaded since pre-COVID um, oh. because it, it really is so intimate. They're like pressing their whole bodies against you, and you're like holding part of your face, and they're uh, it. It's wonderful. I, I recommend yeah. it. <laughs>
2: yeah. I, I think it's it's one of the best, and I, I heard too that it's um when you wax, and this is so <laughs> girly, but when you wax, it brings wrinkles because it pulls the skin. And when you thread, it's like um it's it's a little secret that threading doesn't pull the skin, so you won't wrinkle around the eyes as quick.
0: Right, so. and you're not actually like ripping that layer of skin off of yeah. your your body either.
2: Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love. I love. I don't think it's vanity. I mean, so many people will backlash about, about that, but I, I love self care and taking care of yourself in ritualistic ways, and I think it's really important in magic, because um, you, it's it's your first water protection, as as your character and who who you present yourself, how you present yourself, and you know who you want to be. So I think that's um, in that way we have power in that way. So yeah I don't think it's necessary to doll up every day but um you know like I said with the Akar fasi from the Middle East and, and things like this there's simple little rituals I have one here actually
0: it's this thing can so you just, can you describe it
2: um it's so this is Akar fasi it's it's made with poppy and pomegranate and I think they sell them in Morocco it looks like a nipple which I like like (laughs) but you can put a little you dip a brush in rose water and then you do this and then you apply it here and then your lips and it's poppy and pomegranate so it's natural ingredients with terracotta and it's so it's so beautiful you know and this thing lasts about I mean I've had mine for a year and I just disinfect it every once in a while but um, I mean it you can do that or you can spend double the amount on some Mac makeup and there's chemicals and there's things in there that aren't from nature. And I think the wise choice for me is is that, is the, is the natural product that the Middle Easterns and uh, other cultures have discovered. <laughs> so I think, yeah, it's important to, to keep aware of things like that as a woman.
0: Yeah. Um, how do we negotiate this path between beauty our own personal standard of beauty and wondering how much we've just been brainwashed by patriarchy to look and behave a certain way
2: so yeah that's That's an uh, easy
0: question right
2: (laughs) Um, oh for sure we've we've been brainwashed completely I mean if I had my way which I think I generally do have my way. I look like a feral creature most of the time. Um, I don't think any guy saw me at my most beautiful would agree that I was beautiful. You know, (laughs) I've got mud under my fingers. Like so many guys are like, I really love manicured, nice nails, you know, and I'm like gardening, you know, (laughs) like my nails have dirt in them, you know, and I look crazy and I feel my most beautiful in those moments. So who is a a guy to tell me or anybody to tell me what to look like. I don't think that's appropriate. And I really hate how our daughters are being raised and our sons as well. Um, Beauty is your own personal power and it is your own belief how you want to feel. Um, I don't think that people are aware of how much in television and in comic books, um, in media, we are brainwashed. So I really find it very difficult, especially raising a child uh, in this world, to to define for her like how to def- how to help her define it for herself. But you know, when she asks me like, "Why are you doing certain things?" it's really hard to. T- I have to think, and, and sometimes I realize I'm not doing this for myself. Actually, I'm doing this for somebody else. Oh my gosh! You know, how do I answer honestly to her? You know, it's it's a really strange, a strange, um, a strange realization. Yeah, to realize that so many things on a day to day basis we do for other people, and that's not how it should be at all, unless it's something. Um, that a care that we give to them or an act of service or things like this, I think are very good. But as far as what we look like and beauty standards, that's everywhere, everywhere, being, and, and it's, it's horrific.
0: Yeah. I think um, you said, not in so many words, but you know we were talking about vocabulary before, and I think it's very important for each and every one of us to think about this word beauty. And what it means to us, and like you say, how how to define it for ourselves in the same way that we may, we might be brainwashed into a a notion of what success means, but haven't really sat down and thought about what that means to us, maybe our version of success isn't as you know, monetary, as as the narrative would, you know, want, want us to have it. So That's not something your your answer again is figure it out.
2: <laughs> Just find Don't. it for yourself. It's more like <sighs> find, find it for yourself and and you know do what makes you feel. I think beauty comes when you're doing what you love. So like I said, I love to garden. I like my hands in the soil. My definition of beauty is is not necessarily somebody else's with dirty fingernails and crazy hair. Um, I think that's in, really important. Is to to, to have to wear what you want do what you want but just make sure it's what you want and really be aware again yeah of what your definition of beauty is compared to somebody else's definition
0: yeah you said I'm going to put it in my pocket and carry it around for the rest of my life um beauty comes when you are doing what you love mm-hmm. That that's real beauty. And we can do glamour, like you say, but we should keep conscious of like what beauty is.
2: Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think that's um, you know, there's a difference between putting on some akart fasi and uh really making like your lips red and, and you feel like a ritual when you do it. And it's a beautiful way of invoking finding your power i find it meditative in the morning you know these are things i can do like some invocations i can do uh, really find my head clear my head have my morning ritual and with it and the tools these are tools that help me but uh and then there's times where i've gotten like gifts of makeup that are very synthetic and things like this and i I live in California, so it's always like free samples and stuff like that. So I used to use some of those. And the difference is astounding. You can really tell the difference between using something that is a ritualistic product and more natural or holistic based on or compared to a synthetic product. And the thing with Dear Woman and the thing with that I that I try to spread is that it doesn't have to be uh, like this hemp I, li- I like him. I love, but it doesn't have to be like this gray burlap sack type of feminist beauty. It can be to be a feminist and to be, you know, um, to define beauty doesn't have to be like, oh, I'm natural. So I can, my products have to be like gray and everything has to be dulled down. No, you can be extremely baba boom sexy and be natural and holistic. And these are things that I'm really trying to spread is like, don't be afraid of your sexuality somewhere in that nature natural you know product uh environment and mindset don't be afraid of the power that yeah nature can hold too it gives you a certain vitality and wildness that yeah i think synthetic products don't have
0: yeah and this is this is definitely um some more uh capitalistic, patriarchal brainwashing to think that, you know, to think that the the chemicals are going to do a better job than...
2: Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what um, we can't match with something in nature. We can't find this equivalent with something in nature. And that doesn't mean we should exhaust our resources, you know, like mining and taking all the oil out of the earth. But uh, it just means more... I think less stuff, more conservative living, more, more um, I, I think more, if people had more patterns in their life, and again, I go to ritual, but if, if that's what I love about witchcraft is that you have these patterns, you have this knowledge and you repeat these things over and over and that becomes your daily practice, or that becomes something that you really feel a state of mind changing And this is something that we need because when the world is just like, oh, new fast fashion or new this or new makeup or new trends. Yes, okay, that's fun. But I always go back to the roots of the system, the roots coming from ancient cultures and remembering that things are very dangerous in these worlds, in nature, Native Americans were were in wars constantly. They were fighters. They weren't always peaceful, loving creatures, you know, like peyote, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and so you have to understand, like it's an in terms of beauty, these synthetic products and things that um, people are trying to project onto us their standards. That's the part of the danger of that world. So you have to look out for the danger.
0: I read recently that. Part of the women, the reason that um, ancient Egyptian women started using coal eyeliner was for the same reason that like American football players will put the, the black stripe under their eye, that it, that it draws the sun away from your eyeball and, and underneath. So I think that there's a lot of that, too, that we keep doing things, even though we've lost the reasons why we did them in the first place and they become something else. I think there's there's, you know, there was ah, I wish that I had called up the the reference before we spoke, but hopefully I can put it in the show notes. There was something about lipstick being witchcraft. I don't know if it was like in the Victorian times again. For you listeners, I'll put. Some, I'll, I'll do my research better and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. But this notion of like, this is like a a, a glamour, this is to trick men into thinking that you're, you know, a, a sexual... Oh, yeah. you oh, know,
2: there the- has, oh, there's so much with lipstick though. I mean, you can go back to like how the lips look like a vagina, a pussy. You know, I don't know if I can say that on
0: podcast. Pussy, but- vag, cunt. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> well, they look like a, a pussy or a flower. It's the same, I mean um it's so when you like it, it goes back to nature and animals the baboons have the red you know the bubba the, the butts bubba boom or whatever you want to call it <laughs> but. so they have that red around it and that's what we're trying to emulate when we put on red lipstick is the vagina or the butt or something that a guy can penetrate you know that's what it's invoking so that's kind of a magic because it's a psychology it's tricking the mind into thinking sexually and so that's the glamour magic again and also we use it for poisoning our lovers our men when they cheated on us or when we wanted to seduce um a royal and take over you know poison that's poison ivy and comic book culture that's where that stems from she kissed you and you fainted uh it it's a beautiful thing i think using sexuality for um for playing or for historical purposes yeah (laughs) monarchy i mean these are things that are like very, very. uh, deep seated with history, but we just kind of do it on a day to day basis, and <laughs> which I, I love too. So it's I love that you that you brought that up because lipstick is yeah, it's super powerful. Yeah,
0: I uh, I have a tendency to uh, demand that our guests write books that I want to read, and so this is definitely. I hope Jessica that you will start working on this this glamour magic, but like from this like historical scientific like a real investigation into this into this (laughs) subject i would read the fuck out of that
2: (laughs) i would but maybe maybe we'll go into i'm already i'm in process actually of writing a book right now so
0: oh yay um, (laughs) (laughs) i can be patient
2: or anything really to do with beauty it has to do with children and um, the occult and esoteric so raising children in this um, esoteric way because i was looking for books on it to raise my own child in in a certain way. And I couldn't find any. So I started putting together like my day-to-day observations with my own child and uh, talking to other people and and it became, yeah, it became a big project. So I'm actually shooting the book cover um, soon. And yeah, it's, it's really, yeah.
0: Do you, do you have like a working title? Do you have a pub date? I know so many of our- Okay, okay it's a secret
2: a yeah we have a publisher but I'm not allowed to do to say too much on um, that kind of stuff but um I can say that the cover we are shooting with my favorite one of my favorite artists and good friends of mine he actually met them in LA but they live here in Antwerp uh, Mothmeister and they're a huge uh, amazing inspiration for me because their books are just gorgeous and their travel knowledge and the writing um they're so genius and I've been blessed to uh you know work with them alongside for a number of years before COVID hit in Los Angeles with oddities and all of these um events and it was just like a dream for me so I'm actually working with them and they're great people so it's going to be an amazing um amazing
0: thing hopefully we'll see <laughs> so all the details are occulted knowledge right now but <laughs> for certain uh, i like so so many of our um so many of our coven meetings come around to this topic of like how do i talk to my kids about this whether it's you know my esoteric leanings or what school shootings or you know how do i talk to my kids about this and, and that and so i think that there will be a large market for your book. And I look very forward to reading your first book.
2: (laughs) (laughs) To uh, to, to getting it done because it's, yeah, I mean, you know, you wrote a book and it's wonderful. And and this is, it's a lot of work. It's hard work, but it's good. I hope, I hope, um, I've been researching really hard on the subject and doing a lot of uh, trying to give the best. I, I really love, well-bound books, not something that just falls apart. So I'm really trying to find um, binding techniques and and going full on into this, um, yeah, (laughs) into this journey. So it will be something close to my heart.
0: I'm excited. I'm going to pass the mic to Cass. I know that she has a lot of questions for you, but first, while she's getting unmuted and stuff here, here's a totally not easy question. Um, On the subject of... Divination and intuition. I have heard the argument that the overuse of divination can actually become a, a problem. In in it can actually dull your intuition. Do you have like a reaction to that idea?
2: I certainly feel spent after I do a few tarot readings. Um, I really love tarot. I think that's my my of mythology, mythology of choice. Um, I think that it's you know, I also use uh, hape and some some um, sometimes, uh, you know, natural plants to go into deeper states, flying bombs, um, make my own. And I also bought some from a very well-known supplier uh, to go into transitional states. That is all very physical. Flying bombs, especially, you put them on, you go into a dream state, you go into um. Another realm, and you really see visions and things, and people visit you, and these are all very, very exhausting. And I think when you're using, it depends on what kind of divination. If it's like tarot, and you're really, really trained in it, you know your cards, you know your, uh, you have your deck, you have, you know, if maybe that's something that comes naturally to you to do this every. Uh, 10 a day or something. But I think when it comes to more physical things where it's physically taking your body and putting it into another state, um, or you're leaving your body, however you want to look at it, it's something that you should you need to recharge and rest on. I don't think just like when you do ayahuasca or something like this, you, you only can get the benefits if you properly prepare and you properly have the aftercare as well, and you learn and write down what you experienced to give it meaning. Otherwise, it's just um, maybe a dangerous kind of, it it goes into the dangerous, more like an addiction or something that's more therapeutic than actually, I think, helping at that point. I mean, therapy helps, but not you know, it's using it for different purposes than what it's supposed to be
0: for. So I hope that makes sense. That that's, yeah. Yeah, that's that's, that's exactly what I was looking for. Thank you so much. So I'm going to invite our coven, Nate Cass, who's been waiting patiently for the past hour.
1: <laughs> Such beautiful uh, hair. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, Jessica, I wasn't familiar with your work prior to this conversation, but can I just tell you, I adore you. I want to set you on my altar. I (laughs) feel, oh, okay. So just quick background on me. I'm a mother to two boys and I have always been very feminine. I had, do I want to call it an epiphany as you were talking? I, I, I was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. And one of my rituals is doing my makeup okay. every day. It does not matter if I am, if I have a fever of 102, I do something. Oh. And my mind just blew open when you compared that ritual and using it as protection and as I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about the times where I haven't done this ritual of mine, it has only ever been in the present of my most beloveds, <laughs> And of course around them, I'm already protected. And yeah. my mind is just, and then uh, the way you were talking about motherhood, just like I felt all the way, to my pussy. Like it just went all the way from my crown to like the root of me. And, and, and yes, like just the way we're describing, just watching your daughter, I've uh, expressed like how I watch one of my children in coven meetings before and the things that he'll say to me and you are fantastic. I, I don't really have a question for you. I just want to send you like All the love I'm feeling for you. I hope that's okay to say. Um, I don't uh, have consent to gush on you. Oh, that's
2: very flattering. Thank you. I really, um, first off, I I love how your nails are so beautiful. Oh, thank you. I'm, like, entranced by them, which, you know, glamour magic. Yes. For for those of you. The eye of protection. You have the the raw. Yeah, that's beautiful.
0: And for those of you who are listening, the rest are red, 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 red. A couple eyes of protection and then red, red, red. red.
2: They're a beautiful, magical red, and she speaks with her hands very beautifully. So I'm like watching her hands. It's um, and then she has this this esoteric eye on them, so which I'm obsessed with as well. The eye I actually have one from the Middle East as well on my wrist, so that's really um, important. But I, I think, uh, yeah, with motherhood, I think a lot of people and I think that the whole esoteric community and witches um who are mothers are like there's there's the maiden the mother and the crone so when you transition from the maiden to the mother it's like doing you know we don't in our culture we don't really have transitional ceremonies anymore like boys do or like when we start our menstrual cycle or moon cycles we don't really have that community that flocks around us and like covers us in herbs and you know (laughs) sings and chants our pain away Um, but we, we go through this when we have a child birth is one of the most, crazy experiences and everyone experiences it differently and I don't know how your birth was but I hope it was a joyous experience and but the fact that you got through that and you created life is so powerful and I think not people who don't have children they have their own power Um, they certainly can expend their energy more places than we can so they're creating things babies outside of themselves you know businesses and a lot of things but I think motherhood we sacrifice a part of ourselves uh, to this new life and it kind of kills us in a, some way, <laughs> but that's the point of life is rebirth and giving these this new generation and these children of ours, the strength and the power that we know is not common knowledge. And I think that's really important. So I think, um yeah it's a, such a big compliment to be complimented on mother <laughs> from one mother to another like I, I really appreciate that 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 spoke to you
1: yes and I'm also going to second Amy on your possible second book around glamour magic I oh yeah. I have so many comments on that but I'll I'll keep them to nice myself nice. for the moment because otherwise I could probably keep you here for way too long um and I'm so excited to read your book on parenting. I'm just ecstatic for you. And the fact that you got the artist that you wanted, just, mm, I cannot wait. That will be uh, on pre-order as soon as you announce it. So um, thank you so much for this conversation. And uh, I will, I, I've i already followed you on Instagram. So i I'll love to see what you come up with next. <laughs> Thanks, Cassandra. I really
0: appreciate that. That means a lot. Yeah. Oh, Cass, we just love you. <laughs> so a lot of what is coming up for you is occulted knowledge that we uh, can't yet discover. but where where and how can our listeners and our covenant mates find you and support you in ways that are available for our knowledge right now?
2: Um, okay, so I have of course uh, an Instagram at Dear Women. Uh, I also have a website, dearwomen.com. We are currently on a sabbatical, actually, for products-wise, because I'm in Belgium. Um, I'm doing more research right now, so it. but it will be relaunched soon. The website is up, and it will be changed shortly. Um, for other things, I can be found mostly on Instagram. Dear Women is where I update regularly, and the website. Um, Facebook, such we have, I think we have, I just got a, I fell into the TikTok thing, so now I have a, I have a TikTok, but it mostly travels um, and just day to day life right now. And then, product wise, I'm working on perf- re- relaunching for a more European mindset. So, there'll be a relaunch of all the products, um, all the labels, everything. I'm, I'm changing everything for the products, so they're going to be amazing. It's going to be hopefully um, up to my standards. <laughs> so, that's <laughs> always takes a while, but yeah, that I can be found. I would just follow the Instagram and all the social medias, dear women. It's a one word and women as a collective.
0: Yes. So dear women, all one word, plural of women with an E. (laughs) And of course, like whenever you have details that you are allowed to share, I hope that you'll share them with us, us immediately so that we can Either add them to the show notes for this episode or we can have you on the show again. Or maybe you could come to one of our Coven meetings because Cass is like crying. <laughs> I would love that. I would love to meet you guys and you guys
2: like, especially with yeah. Coven now, hopefully.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We will definitely do so. Again, thank you so much for donating a prize, donating a prize to our fundraiser. Thank you so much. <laughs> for being in circle with us today thank you so much for having a, a curious and global mindset thank you so much for being a stem witch we fucking love stem witches and just because you out there listening are uh, stem witches doesn't mean that you can't wear lipstick there really is no limit to how you can express yourself
2: exactly exactly and, and also thank you for having a community and a podcast and just creating this sp- space the safe space which everything you guys do it's so inclusive and it's so safe and it's brilliant and I really loved like going through the podcast and discovering things and that book I'm so happy it has great reviews and I've read it I bought the audiobook so it's I recommend your book it's amazing
0: thank you so much Risa reads the reviews I don't I figure if there's something useful in there Risa will let me know or the publisher will let me know me I'm like what other people think of me it's none of my fucking business. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, yeah. But if there's something useful and important, I know I can count on Risa to uh, <laughs> to glue me. Into
2: it. I think a lot of it was like people discovering Madame Bl- Blavatsky. I can't. I don't know if I. Can Blavatsky. Say yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of it, it. was. Like, I was so happy that people were discovering her when I read the reviews. But yeah. Anyway.
0: <laughs> and I, I think Marjorie Cameron shows up in our next book. I think. Oh. So um, yeah. <laughs> We'll trade. We'll trade we'll words yeah. for sure. For sure. Yeah. Thank you again so much. And bless the fucking be.
2: Yeah.
1: Bless the You must be
0: a witch. Just a reminder that the Missing Witches podcast is entirely listener funded. If you love the project and want to support us and join in on conversations like this one live, find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash missing
1: witches.